It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Voters will now decide whether to fund a marine haul-out using money from the sale of Sitka Community Hospital. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it approved a ballot proposition for consideration in the municipal election this October. Sitka's commercial fishing fleet has been without a haul-out since this spring, but plans to build one have been in the works for the last two years, following the announcement that the privately owned haul-out at Halibut Point Marine would close its doors. But finding funding for a haul-out has been a challenge, and after pursuing several paths, the assembly hit a dead end and went back to the drawing board. Sponsors of the resulting ballot prop see using $8.2 million from the sale of the community hospital building as trading one city asset for another. A handful of community members came out in support of the measure, while a couple voiced concerns about spending the public funds. At the last meeting, Assemblymember Kevin Knox was the lone vote against the haul-out ordinance. Last night, he said he would support taking the haul-out question to the voters, but wouldn't necessarily vote yes at the polls on October 4th. Ultimately, the ballot proposition passed unanimously. We'll have more coverage on the Assembly's decision on Raven News tonight at 518. Tristan Gavon is the first candidate to file for one of three open seats on the Sitka School Board. Gavon is currently an incumbent, having been appointed to a vacant seat on the board in June of this year. Nevertheless, Gavon brings prior legislative experience to the table. He was elected to the Sitka Assembly for a three-year term beginning in 2014. He says he's motivated to run for school board for three main reasons, education, public service, and social justice. Gavon believes education can be a powerful force for good in the community and in the country. You know, public education is this thing that can either mitigate or exacerbate social, political, economic marginalization. So by having a really strong public education system from preschool up through, you know, the university level, I think it just it it makes our country better. It, you know, provides more opportunities, um, you know, and it's just kind of those fundamental bedrocks of democracy. Gavon's path to the school board is not the conventional route. Usually, candidates looking to become more involved in local government move from school board to assembly, not the other way around. Gavon says that advocacy goes both ways, and service means the same to him, regardless of which table he's sitting at. You know, as a school board member, it's a similar role that you play, you know, as an assembly member with the city. And and I think one of the main things there is just being a conduit for the citizens of Sitka, for the public, um, you know, and, and your role is kind of in that higher level with, with budgets, with policy, you know, not, not getting into the details, not micromanaging, but being an advocate for the citizens of Sitka, for the public, so that the Sitka School District you know, is responsive to community needs. Gavon has one child, a two-year-old, so he considers himself a future district parent. He's currently the director of organizational management at the Sitka Tribe of Alaska. The filing period for the Sitka municipal election closes at 5 p.m. Friday, August 5th. There are two seats open on the Sitka Assembly and also the mayor's seat. There are three seats open on the Sitka School Board. The municipal election is Tuesday, October 4th. 
Commercial salmon trolling in most of southeast Alaska shuts down briefly just before midnight Thursday. That's after a king salmon opening that lasted for most of this month. The first summer opening for kings started July 1st and was projected to last 10 to 12 days. The fleet has caught an estimated 87,000 Chinook during that time, well below the target. Grant Hagerman, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game's troll management biologist for Southeast, says catch rates have been lower than expected. We initially had, had uh, you know, projected out a 10 to 12 days, but it was, it was very apparent, I think, at least when the first set of landings came in uh, over that first week, um, that not only from fish tickets, but from, you know, fishermen interviews, that things weren't uh, quite as good as what we anticipated as far as catch rates. Um, it's just not consistent through the region. There has been some, some very good kingfishing, um, but it's just uh, not uh, distributed all throughout the region. It's not the first time for such a long stretch of fishing. The first opening in the summer of 2003 lasted into early August. Hagerman points to a couple of factors. High fuel prices have some permit holders fishing closer to home or sitting out this year. Effort, like last year, is at record low levels, about 30 percent of the long-term average. Hagerman says fishermen are also opting to target other species. We now have uh, you know, enhanced chum salmon fisheries that are coming online uh, here on the outer coast near Sitka, and like last year, could be looking at, you know, 100-plus vessels that are choosing to target chum salmon over, over Chinook salmon or, or coho salmon. So the, kind of the, the change in the, in the fleet dynamic this year is, is, is one of the reasons that we're, we're still fishing on that July target. We've not reached that yet. The troll fleet catches a mix of king salmon originating in Alaska, British Columbia, Oregon, and Washington. The harvest is regulated under a treaty between the U.S. and Canada. The target for the fleet in August will be 67,000 kings. The three-day closure at the end of July allows some coho salmon to return to spawning streams, especially on the inside waters. Hagerman says catches of silvers started slow but have picked up. The assessment weeks that we use are the second third weeks of July, and as I mentioned, they were, they were not great at that time. However, they have dramatically increased over the last couple weeks and some areas well above average. So it's, it's looking much better on the coho front. But um, we are still enacting this short closure because of you know, what we saw earlier on in the season and because of kind of the regulatory requirement there. The coho closure comes earlier in the season than normal. In addition, areas of high king salmon abundance, normally closed to fishing later in the summer, will reopen to the fleet. Average price for troll-caught kings this summer is $5.90 a pound. It's $1.91 for coho and $1.21 for chum. Even during the closure, some parts of southeast remain open to trolling for hatchery chum salmon. The rest of the region reopens to trolling for all salmon, even kings, August 1st. Several streams south of Petersburg are getting some major restoration work this summer. It's hoped the repairs will mimic natural processes to bring back topsoil and better fish habitat. Joe Viknicki reports. Two excavators dig out part of the East Fork of Omer Creek, a salmon stream that runs under Mitkoff Highway about 21 miles south of Petersburg. They're moving huge logs, 60 to 70 feet long, many with root wads still attached, installing them into the stream bed. Six decades ago, the trees along the stream were logged and many stumps removed. Heath Whitaker is a hydrologist with the U.S. Forest Service. When you lose the wood out of the stream, you lose the fish habitat out of the stream. And the, the hard part to overcome is 
you have a you have a long time to wait until the trees that were logged in the floodplain come back to a, a size that will create more habitat in the future. This project aims to rebuild some of that fish habitat on an area of about 20 acres around East Omer Creek, along with the north and south forks of a tributary to that called Lumpy Creek. The Forest Service has contracted with Petersburg Company Rock and Road Construction to cut trees and truck them in from a different part of the island. In mid-July, they started building structures out of these logs to create new deep pools for salmon and trout. And now we're just basically creating a structure that will create that pool. And so we're pinching it from the sides with um, large root wads and we're laying in other wood that will interact with the water, you know, as it gets higher. And so all that energy, all that power that comes down in the water is going to basically flush out a nice big deep pool. As we talk, standing in one part of the creek, young coho salmon hold nearby our legs in the gentle flow. It's midsummer, the stream level is low, but work is meant for the high water of heavy fall and winter rains like the area saw just two years ago. And it's not just in-stream work they're doing. The repairs stretch out into the forest where the water flows when the streams top their banks. At the same time it was logged, the area was also a source of gravel for the crews that extended nearby Mitkoff Highway. When they removed that, they also took the valuable topsoil that normally would help new trees grow. The Forest Service is partnering on the project with the Southeast Alaska Watershed Coalition. Kelsey Dean is a watershed scientist with that group. All of your, your soils, your topsoil, it's like in your garden. There's nothing left for those trees to use to grow. There's a lot of areas where this happened in the 60s, and normally you would see trees be two times the size they are now, but they're really stunted in growth because they lack that topsoil, that nutrients. So in addition to the fish habitat, we're doing some... Behind us, the machines move large logs, knocking over a small tree and reminding us we're in the middle of a construction site. Uh, we're also looking to restore the floodplains and recruit that soil back in by placing large wood there so that trees can grow bigger and not be this stunted. The Watershed Coalition purchased additional wood from a local company that will be dropped into the floodplain. The project also means re-engineering part of one of the creeks to divert flow into an area that's been cut off from water. Overall, the cost of the work, just over $400,000, with the money to pay for it coming from multiple sources. The Forest Service did some prior restoration work at Omer Creek a couple decades ago, adding some rearing ponds for smaller fish. Ultimately, that's what this project is all about. And those ponds are showing some signs of working. The crews will be building around 15 structures in the creeks, and that work should be done by early August. The Forest Service will monitor the progress one year, three years, and five years after the work is done, although the benefit for tree growth may not show up for much longer. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.